0: You're listening to the Forefront Church sermon podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I'm super excited about this message though, so I think we're all gonna to wanna to participate. This We're in this series, and this series is called Make a Joyful Noise. Uh, I love this series. Angela came up with the name of this series. And uh, what does that mean? What are we, what are we talking about? Well, i, I got to be honest. Right up front, I need you to know that this is a fundraising series. Okay? I want you to know that. I want you to know we're going to ask you for money. In fact, I want you to know that we are going to set a goal to raise $40,000 by the end of this year for Forefront. That's what we're asking. Now, I know what you're sitting there thinking. You're thinking a couple things. Hey, you're like every other church, just asking for money. Yes, we are. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, we need money in order to function, in order to survive. But the truth of the matter is, and I'll get to this in my message, is that I think we're a little different than every other church. I'll get to that in a minute. Secondly, you might be saying, hey, didn't we um, you know, raise money earlier during COVID? And we did. And what we said is that Clarity and Crisis money that we raised was every single penny will go directly to those who were in need. And that's what we've done. We have kept that promise. We've raised about $27,000. And as of today, about $20,000 of those dollars have gone directly to people in need. We have about $7,000 that sits in an account for people in need. It's there. If you need it, tell us about it. Go to, our, go to our, uh, our, our website, click on the, the COVID-19 link and you'll be able to, to ask for help. We want to be able to help. This fundraiser is an investment of Forefront and I think, I think Forefront's worth investing in. Let's talk about why Forefront is worth investing in. And in order to do that, I want to tell you about a retreat that our staff took. Uh, a couple months ago, we, uh, we all quarantined a little bit. We all got tested, we all went away. And uh, we got together. What did we do when we all got together? Well, we played badminton, and Sarah New beat us all very badly. There wasn't even a competition. It was really sad. Um, we ate well. We drank well. We laughed and we cried. Of course we cried. We are a weepy staff. What else did we do? We talked about who we were as a church. Who, what, what is Forefront? Who is forefront and we talked about our our vision and we said, hey, we are a just and generous expression of Christianity. We are a just and generous expression of Jesus Christ. And we said, you know what? We want to continue with that vision. We want to continue to be a just and generous expression of Jesus Christ. We said we want to continue with our mission. And I think you all know our mission because we have talked about our mission nonstop over the past 12 to 18 months or so Our mission is to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity, which I believe that we're doing. I believe we started that process. And then as a staff, we said, hey, but we want to come up with some values that reflect our vision and mission. So what we did is we came up with three values. Uncommon kinship, radical equity, and worship reimagined. Now, the reason I'm so excited about this series is we're actually going to preach on each one of these values, okay? That's going to happen. It's going to coincide with our gala, which you should all go to on December 17th. You're going to hear about these values that inform our vision. But today, today I'm going to tell you to invest in Forefront because I'm going to talk about our vision again. Why are we a just and generous expression of Jesus Christ? Now, I want to just say real quick, and I, I feel like I've been saying this a lot, but maybe it's just life. Um, I preach on this about once a year. I should preach on this about once a year. It's our vision, okay? Uh, And I'm going to use the same text that I've used in years past. Now, why? Because when we talk about making a joyful noise, we're talking about stories of life change. And I got to tell you, like, our vision is personal to me. Our vision is like a personal story of life change for me because the truth of the matter is, is a few years ago, I was in a place where I was in a crisis of faith, and yes, y'all, even your pastors can be in crises of faith. It happens. Okay? And I was in one and I was like, you know, what, what is Christianity and what is Forefront and how are we any different than any other church? What sets us apart? How are we living out our calling? How are we living out the gospel? And I started thinking about it in terms of justice. So I want to talk about the justice that I started thinking about. I started thinking about the justice uh, that, that we think about, what comes to our mind and I started thinking about as justice as being victory, right? Justice, the justice of God is victory. It's victory over, and really, as much as I don't like this, another way to say victory is to say power. I have power over. So justice is victory over. It's power over. It's it's a punishment. It's a punishment to those who get in the way, to those who try to harm us, to those who try to hurt us. And so justice is this victory over, it's this power over, and in some cases it's punishment against those who try and hurt. And this is embodied in our scriptures. It's right there in our scriptures. I'm going to read for you one of the scriptures that really, you know... I don't know, gets me. It always has gotten me. And this is it. It's from the book of Isaiah. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that all sounds great. Don't get me wrong. And then Isaiah says this, "And the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance of our God. And so when Isaiah is talking about justice and he's speaking to the people of Israel he's saying justice is all these good things, binding up the brokenhearted, giving sight to the blind, setting captives free and then it's justice. Then it's vengeance. Because like when, when justice happens it's power over. It's victory over. In some cases that means vengeance. Now before you get upset about this, before you start saying that's ridiculous, we all believe that. I believe that. I'm, I'm down for that, whether I want to admit it or not. Uh, one of my favorite theologians, a, a person named Miroslav Wolf, uh, experienced terrible genocide. And I was at a conference a few years back, and he was speaking at the conference, and somebody asked him, he said, what's your opinion of God's justice, especially you having experienced some of the atrocity you experienced? And I don't remember the exact quote, but Wolf said something to the effect of, listen, I'd be lying if I told you that I didn't want God to come with a vengeance on the people who hurt my people. Like, I want God to come with a vengeance. I want those people to be eradicated. I, I, they hurt me, and I want to see God hurt them. Wow, it's real. A friend of mine was just bullied constantly, terribly, unmercifully. And his tormentor, his bully, passed away tragically. And when that happened, I remember my friend said, it's sad, but he wasn't a good person. He got what he deserves." And it's like, hmm. I think we resonate with that in some respect and in some way the truth of the matter is when we are hurt we're like, you know what, I, I do want the day of vengeance of our God. And I, I think in rightful ways. I think of people in this room even, and people who are watching right now, and some of you have been excluded and hurt and told that you are not loved by God. And I could see where we would want to rightfully say, no, nope, you know what, victory is mine, power over. God's justice is coming on you who excluded me. And I think of every kid who was kicked out of the Christian school for being queer. And I think of every you, you know, pract- uh, you know, follower of Islam who you know, try to create a community center in a neighborhood and are kicked out of that community center. I think about those who are, are, are oppressed because of unjust laws and who are poor. And, and in being poor, our charity is good enough, but we're not willing to create policy that would actually change the lives of the poor, right? And I think about the fact that all of that, all of that calls out for justice. It cries for justice. It says, I want power over. I want victory over that. And yes, in some cases, I do want the vengeance of our God. Right? That's all real. And that's all true. And I think American Christianity does a good job in saying, you know what, I want victory over right and, and victory over doesn't necessarily mean like love wins victory over means you know when i get what i want i get to exclude the people i want to exclude and i get to impose my beliefs on other people and i get to i get to decide uh, on controversial things because that's the power that i want the power that i've created right and, and so american christianity gets this passage we get isaiah and the truth of the matter is israel was right <laughs> i don't know how else to say it they were oppressed. Not only were they oppressed, they're being killed. Their families are being torn apart. People are being enslaved. You would want the day of vengeance of our God. You would want that. And I read this and I saw how it kind of got morphed into, like, hey, freedom from oppression. And it got morphed into, no, now I want the Ten Commandments to be in my school, right? Like, that's justice. And I said, I don't buy this anymore. I don't believe in this anymore. I don't want this anymore. And then uh, and then Luke comes in. Luke tells us about Jesus. And Luke tells us about Jesus preaching his first sermon. Preaching your first sermon is scary, y'all. Angela, are you with me? Amen. Amen. Preaching your first sermon is scary. And Jesus has to preach it in front of his hometown, and he's there. And and you know like his hometown people are like, oh, Jesus, give us something good. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to try. And they're like, maybe something on justice, because the truth of the matter is now we're in the same predicament we were with Isaiah, where we are under oppression, and we're being enslaved, and we're being killed, and we're being hurt. So maybe how about some victory? How about some power over? How about some day of vengeance for our God? And Jesus gets up to preach, and Jesus gets up to preach and he unrolls Isaiah's scroll. And you got people that are like, yes, ooh, we're going to hear it. And so Jesus gets up to read the scroll. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And they're all waiting. Ooh, can you feel they're all waiting? You feel that tension? Because they're waiting for the last line. And you know what the last line is. Day of vengeance for our God. Say it, Jesus. The day of vengeance for our God is coming. We're going to be done with all this victory over, power over, even if it means we do it violently. And they're waiting and waiting. And Jesus rolls up the scroll. And Jesus says, today, Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." There's no No, day. He leaves out the most important line. He is twisting scripture, y'all. I talk about this all the time. I love how Jesus twists scripture, right? Next time you're told that you twist scripture, point to Jesus. And so, what happens? What happens? I love what happens next. We get this really, really curious statement. (laughs) They say all who were there watching and listening were surprised at how well he spoke. But they also said, Isn't this Joseph's son, the one we've known since he was a youngster? is such a good line. A couple of years ago, somebody came up to me after church, and they were like, I love the way you preach, but I don't agree with anything you say. <laughs> That's what's happening here. <laughs> that is what's happening. They're like, Jesus, we love the way you preach. We hate everything you say. And they say, Joseph's son. Now, why do they say Joseph's son? I-, I love this. Because in Joseph's, you know, in the law, justice for Joseph, and victory for Joseph, and power over for Joseph, means that when Mary comes to Joseph and says that she's pregnant with Jesus, that justice looks very different from what we recognize. In fact, there's a a verse that talks about that justice. It says, if a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married, and he sleeps with her, he shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she was in the town and did not scream for help. And the man, because he violated another man's wife. You must purge evil from among you. And so, in Joseph's time, justice, victory, power over means when Mary shows up and says she's pregnant. You don't believe it's by the Holy Spirit, because come on, who believes we get pregnant by the Holy Spirit? And Joseph, justice means that he should have had her stoned, and he doesn't. So, already, you have Joseph's people who are like, oh, this guy's a heretic This guy doesn't follow the law. This guy doesn't understand justice. And guess what? Jesus' son is just like him. We got another heretic here. We got another one who doesn't understand justice. We got another one who doesn't quite get it. And so how do they respond? And I don't have the text with me, but I'm going to tell you how they respond. You want to know how they respond? They respond by taking Jesus out and trying to throw him over a cliff. That is how they respond. Because that's how we would respond. When we, when we hear, when we hear that, that there is good news for all and there is no the day of vengeance for our God, when we hear that, there are times when we're like, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. And, and, and trigger warning, real quick. For those of us who have struggled with or have been in, in some really traumatic situations. When we hear about Jesus saying, set the captives free and and recover your sight for the blind with no vengeance, that doesn't sit well with us because we've been really hurt. And some of y'all who identify, maybe you identify as queer and you have been kicked out, when we hear no vengeance, that hurts us because we have been hurt and we, we we need to be repaired from that. For those of us who have struggled in any which way in which uh, someone has deeply affected our lives in the negative, we want the day of vengeance. We want that justice. We want to be repaired. For me, as a white man, that doesn't happen as much for me, but when I think about the leader of our country, I, I don't necessarily want recovery of sight and wholeness and restoration. I'd rather the day of vengeance for the past few years. right? That's what we want. And so you can see why they would want to throw him off of a cliff. You can see that. But what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to them and he goes, Hey, no, I was just joking, y'all. Don't worry, victory's coming. Don't sweat it. It's going to be power over. It is going to be victory. No. Jesus doubles down and he names two people. He names this widow and he names a, a, a ruler named Naaman. And these two people were people who didn't deserve justice. They were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. And he says, hey, remember when God helped this woman, this, this, this widowed woman? And remember when God helped Naaman? And, and, and they go, yeah. Like, you know, very upset. And he goes, that's what's going to keep happening. God's going to keep helping your enemies. You see, because justice, according to God, through Jesus, is radically inclusive, is unending love, and is unabated community. That's what it looks like, right? And so they, 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 they try to toss them off a cliff because we don't like unending love. We don't like unabated and radical grace, and we don't like inclusiveness and in community. We don't like it. Right? I would like to say that we do, but the truth is it messes with our binary approach because our binary approach tells us who's in and who's out, and it tells us who's good and who's bad, and it tells us who deserves punishment and who doesn't deserve punishment, and we love unending love and radical grace and inclusiveness and community for ourselves. We just don't like it for others. Oh, when I read about justice, it struck something in me, the fact that there is no more duality. Us and them, power over, victory, that maybe everybody gets a piece. And I was thinking about Forefront. I was thinking about my faith crisis. And I said, I think our calling as a church, I think our calling as a church is to be a church that people want to throw over a cliff. That's what I said. I want to be a church that is so radical in grace, so unending in love, and so inclusive in community that people want to toss us over a cliff. And if we're doing that, then we are living out the justice that Jesus Christ shows and that God intends. Let us be a church that people want to throw us over a cliff. That's good news, though. Nobody's throwing us over a cliff yet. But Su- uh, Suzanne Liezer Le- uh, said this, and she said this four years ago. And I pulled these notes back up and she said, I'm not going to lie to you because, well, I care about you too much to do that. I have wanted to leave Forefront on more than one occasion. I figured quickly my urge to want to leave was because of the messages I was hearing from the leaders. And frankly, it made me feel uncomfortable, not uncomfortable in a bad way, but more that I knew if I stayed at Forefront, my former beliefs in a lot of ways would be challenged and possibly be even proven wrong. And as we all know, growing and expanding our minds and views is not easy. I've been able to just think about who this crazy, radical Jesus really is and how I move toward the following true intentions of his teachings. And I read that again after four years, and I said, this is the kind of reaction we want. This is the joyful noise. This is the way that we live out our radical vision of just and generous Christianity. This is the way that we usher in the next 500 years, but we got to be radical enough to be willing to be thrown off the cliff in some ways, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being that church. That is a church worth investing in. Our church is a church worth worth investing in. And it got me thinking as well, you know, listen, during COVID, it's hard to take attendance. It's hard to know who is here in community. And the ways that we can see the ways that we can measure our success as a church is by hearing these stories of life change. We know that we will be doing God's work, we'll be answering God's call, we'll be living out that justice when we do hear these stories of life change. That's when we know, and that is a joyful noise. And so we're going to keep pushing forward. And how are we going to keep pushing forward? By being authentic in our doubt, by being authentic in our questions, and being uh, authentic about the way we read Scripture. Rene says, or Derek, I'm sorry, Derek Flood says this first. He says, for Jesus, the interpretation of Scripture all comes down to how we love. And the Bible was never intended to be our master and placing a burden on our back. It's intended to act as a servant to Jesus Christ. And so that's what we want to do. We want to look at it as a lens through love. And that means there's going to be questions and thoughts and doubts, but that's what makes this church worth investing in. And as Renee says, now I'm getting to Renee, she says, I'm a questioner and a doubter, and Forefront embraces that. I don't feel like I have to hide my questions and doubts. And also... The just and generous expression of the Christian faith that forefront promotes is the way I've always felt about Jesus and the gospel, and going for uh, going to forefront for me is like. I met my spiritual soulmate. And Renee, by the way, thank you for just unintentionally like working it right into my message. That works perfectly, the whole just and Generous thing. Yeah. Thanks so much. But this is how we make a joyful noise. This is why we invest in Forefront. We do it because there are stories of life change. We see a new justice. And it's a justice not about power and victory, but it's a justice that sits on the margins and says there is unending grace and there is amazing love and unabated inclusiveness and in community. And I love that. And I love that, that others believe that. In fact, um, uh, Adele says this. She says, Forefront has become a really integral community for me over the past year. Even my best friend recent, recently remarked how she was glad I had this church community. It's helped me become more confident in my political convictions. And it's given me a place where I can be an activist and a person of faith at the same time. And as someone who grew up in the church, it has turned a lot of what I thought I knew on its head. And I love that because that is the joyful noise. It doesn't just stay in our church community. It seeps into the other areas of our life. And we get to see that radical, inclusive grace, love, community. That's what justice looks like in God's kingdom. And for those of you who had maybe uh, uh, oppression, maybe for those of you who said, uh, Christianity has always made me feel like I've been power under. It always has made me feel defeated, defeated. Grace says this, She says, Forefront taught me to be affirming, how to see myself in the Bible. I knew God loved me, but being able to put that into words and understanding the Bible and and the way it has changed my spiritual and life journey has been amazing. Feeling loved and seen is the best, and that's what this does. It allows us to feel loved and seen, because that's what justice looks like in God's community. That's what generosity looks like in God's community. And through these stories of life change, through the making of this joyful noise, we usher in the next 500 years. And sometimes, sometimes it's simply existing. Sometimes it's simply being in community together. Sometimes it's simply singing. Like Paula says, one day I was on Atlantic Avenue and I hear this beautiful music not knowing where it was coming from. And I followed the music and it was Forefront Church. And since I've been coming to my forefront, I've been closer to God spiritually. It's given me hope. It's made me strong. And I believe in myself. That is a joyful noise. That is the story of life change. This is the embodiment of our vision. This is it. Invest in it with us. Invest in it. We're asking for that $40,000 investment because we believe and we truly believe this. This isn't just like lip service. We truly believe that in a time where we can't measure attendance, we don't know how many people are around, that these stories of life change are going to be the thing that ushers in the next 500 years and I believe we're going to hear not hundreds but literally thousands more of these stories because the truth is we are answering the call to be a church that people want to throw off a cliff. That is how loving, that is how gracious, that is how inclusive we're going to be. That's it. Join us in it. And when you join us in it, this is what's going to happen. This year has been a tremendous year. You know why? Because it's not just Brooklyn people that are getting God's restorative justice. People in Toronto, people in California, people in Amsterdam. Hey, Bella. People in... People in uh, uh, Texas, you know, people in England, everyone has come to us Has said, Hey, Forefront's changing my life, Forefront's changing the way I think, Forefront's changing the way I feel about community. Forefront is my community even when I live thousands of miles away. And when you invest in Forefront, we get to continue to build that. We get to continue to buy the equipment we need so that 300 people can be here at the roulette and then 3,000 more can be watching somewhere else. Right? That's what you do, that's the joyful noise. That's when we get to invest. That's why we get to invest. When we invest, we get to give more money to decentralize some of us as staff and lift up some of our leaders. Our leaders are here right now. We have people here right now who are here every day. Many as volunteers. We want to be able to, to honor them, and we want to be able to... Our, our group volunteers, we have one group in particular. Uh, shout out to Sammy and Emmy. It's our Bib lick group. And the amount of aha moments that come out of that group are tremendous. You wanna talk about stories of life change, making a joyful noise? That group gets to hear it all the time. Ask Sammy, Sammy and Emmy about it and when we invest in Forefront, we get more of those groups, we get more of those stories, we get more of a joyful noise. You see, your, your investment in Forefront, it allows us to partner with Ruth's Refuge. I mean, Leia's dope, those stories are dope, but the truth of the matter is these are groups of people who have been power under for a long time. Groups of people who haven't experienced justice. Maybe the way that we've experienced justice. Groups of people who come to this place, and this place right now isn't the most friendly place to show up to. And they come, and because you have partnered with forefront and partnered with Ruth's refuge, they come and their lives are just a bit better. God works in their lives. the Holy Spirit is at work through us, for them, and it makes things just a bit easier. That is just and generous expression of Jesus Christ. You do that. And your investment does that. And I love the fact that in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all this, that we still can continue to be the just and generous church in ways that I never expected, but in ways that will continue to change lives. And I can't wait to hear the next stories that get told. Can I get an amen on that, the next stories? Amen. So I'll leave us with this from our friend Nadia Bolts Weber. She says this, she says, this is it. This is the life we get here on earth. We get to give away what we receive. And we get to believe in each other. And we get to forgive and be forgiven. And we get to love imperfectly. And we don't know right away the effect it'll have. Oh, but it'll have an effect for years to come. And all of it, every single bit of it, is completely and utterly worth it. Let's make a joyful noise, y'all. And to that I say, amen. All right, can we pray? God, you invite us to be an expression of your just and generous way. So God, convict us. Convict us that justice is not vengeance, but that justice is radical inclusion. And convict us that it's not pain or violence, but that justice is unending love. And convict us that your justice, God, your justice is always unabated grace. And then help us to do the same, even when it hurts. And for those of us who are hurting God... I pray a special prayer that your justice comes soon and your justice comes now and your justice comes boldly so that those who have been seen as othered or oppressed or hurt are lifted up. God, I pray this in your holy and mighty name. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.